So I want to talk this morning about offense. <laughs> and I don't know why. I, I mean, I, don't, I didn't want to, but I mean, we talked about offense last year, but I couldn't get away from it. And I'm talking about the thing that will, will literally stop a move of God dead in its tracks. Offense that leads to unbelief. I mean, there is about, that's about the only thing that will stop God from moving. Offense or unbelief birthed out of offense. If you don't believe me, let's read, shall we? I'm reading uh, Mark chapter 6 in the NASB. Verse 1, Jesus went out from there and came into his hometown and his disciples followed him. Um. This is, that'll preach right there. If you're a disciple of Christ, you're going to follow him, period. So if you claim to know him, you should follow him. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and the many listeners were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? And what is this wisdom given to him? And such miracles as these performed by his hands. So what they're saying is they're seeing him do miracles because he couldn't not do miracles. Everyone did miracles. Love, miracles, the message of repentance. That's who he is. That's who he was. And so they see him doing and teaching in the synagogue, and they see him doing the miraculous, and they go, who is this cat? Now, the word astonished here, um, it, it could go either way, but I think... The, it's not an astonishment like an amazement. I think it's more an astonished. They were indignant. Like they were astonished. They saw him doing, and immediately they were like, who is this guy? And I, the reason I think that is because that's what they did. They were astonished into who does he think he is? Who gives he, him power to do this stuff? That's what I think it was immediately. It was like this, who is this guy? Because, because they couldn't do it. The Pharisees couldn't do it. So they were like, who do you think you are? They probably have heard, I'm sure they'd heard of him. And then he comes, he comes into his hometown, which they didn't realize at the point, until verse 3. Then they go, is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary? Is this not the carpenter? So what they did right there, they tried to put him in a box. Is he just the carpenter? So they were already upset. And then they're like, wait a minute. That's the carpenter. And notice they didn't say, that's the son of Joseph. They said, that's the son of Mary. Now, in that culture, you would say son of the father. But they didn't. They immediately went into disrespect mode. The son of Mary. We don't know where Joseph was at this point. But you got to understand, probably Mary, her entire life, had to deal with people thinking she had birthed a child. Maybe she was raped. Maybe it was out of wedlock. But this wasn't Joseph's child. She probably had to live with that condemnation. And so they go right to the heart of it. This is the son of Mary. This is that illegitimate child. And then 
it says, his brothers are with us and are not his sisters with us? Like, dude, your family's here. They're not doing jack. And you're do who do you think you are? And this is one of the, there's a couple of really interesting verses here in the Bible. And this is one of them. And this is the whole crux of this thing. And it says, and they took offense at him. Jesus says to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his own relatives and in his own household. Isn't that a sad statement? But have you found this to be true? We've, we've said this before, f familiarity breeds contempt. If you're so familiar with someone, it's kind of like, eh, I mean, I know them. Look, I know, I know what they, they've done. I know where they're from. Like Jesus, I know where you're from. You're from this town. You're a carpenter. I know your mother. We don't even know if your Joseph's your dad. I know who you are. And who do you think you are? See, what's funny is they weren't up, they were not really upset that that um, miracles were happening, I don't think. They were upset who was doing the miraculous. This Jesus. And so, you know, um, I looked up the word content. Familiarity breeds content. Content means the act of despising, disdain, lack of respect or reverence. This is exactly what they were showing Jesus. Could you imagine that? Showing Jesus lack of reverence? I mean, give me a break. I'd be like looking for lightning bolts. <laughs> and then it says, verse 5, and he could do no miracle there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. One of the saddest verses in the Bible. And he could do no miracle there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he wondered at their unbelief. Man, if Jesus is wondering at your unbelief, you are in a bad place. So this is the kind of unbelief that is rooted in offense. Because when we let offense hang out in our heart, eventually it turns into something. And it's called unbelief. This is why Jesus deals with unbelief with John, John's disciple, John, John's disciples, John uh, the Baptist. Remember? Remember the story we've talked about before, just to refresh your memory? Jesus does, does all these miraculous things. John the Baptist is the one who cries out in the wilderness, and he says, hey, when the Messiah comes, he's going to set the prisoners free. And so then the very message that John proclaimed about the Messiah that he baptized, the very same John is now sitting in a prison cell. But wait a minute, Jesus, I said... And you said, you've come to set the captives free. Why am I in captivity? So John sends his disciples to Jesus and says, are you who you say you are? And he, Jesus says, yes, look at the dead are raised, the blind see, look at, look at all I do. But tell John, blessed 
are those who are not offended because of me. Offense is a real big deal. I mean, it is a real big deal. We just read that this literally stopped Jesus in his tracks. It's not that he couldn't, like if he laid hands on them, they were healed. It's that only a few wanted to be prayed for. Everybody Jesus prayed for or laid hands on for healing was healed. We have no record of anybody not being healed. You can't find it in here. I don't think you can find it in any books anywhere. So it's not that he couldn't if he laid hands on those who wanted it. It's that they didn't want it. They were so offended. How many times have Jesus wanted to do something in your life for you and through you, but you've said, I don't think so, because you've had some offense in your heart toward him. In fact, we don't even know we have offense toward him until sometimes it's like, oh my gosh, I have offense toward you. I had offense at the Holy Spirit for a whole year, many, many years ago, one whole year, until he reminded me of, of a prayer that I prayed the year prior that I didn't see answered. And he said, do you remember that prayer? And I said, yes. He goes, the reason why you're not hearing from me is not because I'm not talking to you. It's because you have created a wall in your heart of offense to me. I started to weep and I said, God, I trust you. And he says, do you trust me now? Even if it doesn't look like you think it should, do you trust me? I said, yes, I trust you. We were talking earlier, Tony and I, God has never been early and he's never been late. I mean, sometimes I think he's late. But see, that's when we can let offense come in. We go, God, you, you didn't do this. And we get incredulous because we see him doing it in the life of our friend, but not in our life. And we get offended and we say, you know what? You're, I don't even believe you anymore. Then the offense turns into unbelief. And God can literally not do the miraculous in our life because we don't permit it. And God, listen to this. Jesus actually, like, I don't know if this is the right word, but he like respects the, un the unbelief and the offense. He says, okay, you don't want it. You don't get it. That's what he did here. And he went to another town. How sad was that? His own hometown. You know what's funny is that right before this, in chapter 5, Jesus is healing a girl, um, the daughter of Jairus, if you go back. Um, and so, let's see here. It was a, yeah, he was a synagogue official, so he was a religious man named Jairus. He came and fell at the feet of Jesus. This is always a good thing, to fall at the feet of Jesus. That tells me something, that you don't have offense toward him. Or if you do, you want to let it go. Like, I mean, this is a great place to be, just to fall at his feet. Uh, fall at his feet. And uh, it says, Jairus implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Please come and lay your hands on her so that she will get well and live. He believed that if all he had to do was lay his hands on her. And it says he went off with him and a large crowd was following him and pressing in on him. 
And then all of a sudden, this is the story where the lady with the issue of blood comes while he's walking to heal this little girl. She comes, she grabs him, or she touches him just like by the hem of his garment, and he goes, who touched me? And everyone's like, everyone touched you. And he says, I felt the power come out of me. And then he still has to go heal this girl. While he was still speaking, they came from the house of the synagogue official, and they said, your daughter has died. Guess what? Jesus missed it. Your daughter's dead. Now offense could have brewed up in his heart. And so the, the friends of, this, of Jarius said, don't even bother him anymore. He's already done. Look, just leave him alone. Probably in like sarcasm. Don't bother him. I don't think it was like, don't bother him because he's so busy. No, it was like, don't bother him. Like, don't bother. But Jesus, overhearing what was being spoken, said to the synagogue official, Jarius, do not be afraid any longer. Only believe. You can't believe if you have offense in your heart. Offense. It causes offense against in your heart toward him. And then this is really cool. It says, he allowed no one to accompany him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the synagogue official and he saw a commotion and people loudly weeping and waiting. Jesus walked right into a funeral, basically. And entering in, he said to them, why make a commotion and weep? And this is where the prophetic faith of Jesus speaks. Your child is not dead. She's merely sleeping. And look at verse 40. They began laughing at him. <laughs> they began laughing. Now, Jesus, I find interesting in this situation, didn't stop the miraculous. He said, Shoo. You're not welcome in this, in this house. Get out. And then he walked in and it says, he took the child's father. Oh, it says he put them all out. Yeah, I love that. The, they were laughing at him. He put them all out. Get out. Shut up. You got no place here. I got to tell you, when you are struggling with something Major, get rid of anybody in your life for that season especially that does not stand with you in faith. Put them out. I remember when my dad died. 62 minutes dead. Raised, prayed back and raised back and living on a ventilator for 10 days. 
flew up to Seattle. And the, you know, the fact that he was uh, still alive, barely, was a miracle. The doctors were like, you should just be happy he's alive. Because he's not going to be alive any longer. You should just be happy you have time with him. And I thought, no, that's dumb. I'm, why would I be happy? You know, I mean, like, I would have rather he had just died and, you know, than go through this. And any time a doctor or nurse would sit me down and say, you need to prepare yourself, I'd say, quiet. This is right. Be quiet. And I would point. Didn't I point? I'd point. No, 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 no. That's not how this ends. And I said to this doctor, God didn't raise him up so that he could be a vegetable or, or not come out of this. Be quiet. I had a nurse one time come in. She was very nice, very nice nurse. And she had been one of his nurses for a while. And then this was by like day six. And, you know, he's going in and out. And he's on there. And she's by his bedside. And she says, you know, <clears throat> because I don't know if he could hear. You don't know if they can hear. I mean, he doesn't remember hearing anything. But you never know. So I was very careful what we said in there. And she goes, you know, you need to start preparing yourself. And it's literally, I didn't let her finish. I said, stop. Preparing yourself for what? He's going to get up. That's what I'm preparing myself for. So be quiet. I got a nurse fired. I'm serious. This Muslim nurse, I'm just, he was Muslim. Whatever, this guy. We knew it because of, you know, the whole. And he was in there arguing over my dad with another nurse about medication. And it's not, you know, big deal. He's already half gone. Da, 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 da. I said, what the? So I went to the head nurse or the doctor, right? And I said, hey, 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 I want that dude off the case. They're arguing over my, my father. What they were, were doing, they, they were releasing unbelief in the room. In fact, I wouldn't let anybody in the room, friends of his that had unbelief. I would say, we're not letting anybody in here that doesn't believe he's going to walk out of here. You put them out. Don't care about feelings in that moment. You can reconcile later. So it said Jesus put them out. And he took the child's father and mother and his own companions and entered the room where the child was taking the child by the hand. I love this because Jesus had gone around preaching, the kingdom is at hand. I'm taking the child by the hand. He said to her, Talitha come, which translated means little girl. I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl got up, began to walk, for she was 12 years old. And immediately they were completely astounded. In this case, astounded means they were amazed and awe. Jesus is, in fact, who he says he is. And then he goes to his hometown and familiar, familiarly breeds content, and they reject him, offense in their heart, which leads to unbelief so much that he says, I'm wondering, I've wondered at their unbelief. You know, the Spanish version of the Bible, of this, uh, and Spanish is probably even closer to the original. It says... The translation, direct translation is, he wanted to do miracles, but couldn't. He wanted to, 
He wants to do the miraculous in your life, but can he? Have, do you have offense in your heart toward him or toward a brother? Because it might just be toward him. You might have offense toward a brother. Oh, that dude, you know, years ago. Da, 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 da. Really? And how's, the, how's it going in your life? Let's look at the fruit of your life. Maybe, you, maybe there's some, some bitterness. Because what I found is when you get offended at somebody, it's usually because God did something on their behalf. And you start to become offended at God when you think it's, you're offended about the person, but you're really offended at God. And offense is a big deal. Look at what Proverbs says. Proverbs says, 1819, a brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city. <laughs> a brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city. Proverbs 1911, a man's discretion makes him slow to anger, and it's his glory to overlook a transgression. It's his glory. To overlook it. And the Bible says, if someone is offended at you, and you're going to the altar, it says, before you go and present your offering to the Lord, go to that brother and try and reconcile. Now, it doesn't actually say, and I've looked, it doesn't actually say, if I'm offended at you, I go to you to make it right. It actually says, if I know someone's offended at me, I go and try and reconcile. You know why? I think because the offended person is powerless. They are walking out and living in a spirit of offense. And so God actually says, you know what? If they're offended at you, you actually have the power. They don't. So, Lee, if I know you're offended at me, it's actually my responsibility to go to you because you're powerless in your offense. Now, it's good if you come to me, but sometimes it's actually worse. Have you ever had somebody come to you and say, oh, man, I've had this a ton. I don't know what my problem is, but I offend people left and right. If you're still in this church, I'm looking around probably because you're unoffendable, and that's really good. You can't, listen, listen to me. Read, read, read the love chapter. To walk in true love, you, you, you have to be unoffendable. Love holds no record of wrongs, period, end of story. Holds no record of wrongs. So when, have you ever had this? Because I've had this. Oh man, I finally have forgiven you for that thing you did five years ago. What thing? Well, you know that thing, da, 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 and I don't know. But you know what it does? It makes me, ups, makes me mad. And I want to get offended at you. I'm offended at you for being offended at me. So I encourage you, if you're offended at someone, let it go. Let it go. Now, it's different if somebody has, like, sinned against you and there needs to be, that's different. I'm talking about, you know, I'm talking about, like, this offense. It's like, what are you offended at? What are you so offended at? And the problem is a lot of times we don't know when people, when we've offended people. I had a, I had a person um, years ago say, you know, I've been, the last many months, I've been offended at you. And 
This person used to go to, I'm not going to say if it's he or she, so I'm saying person. The person would come to church, and this is when I was a worship pastor, so I was leading worship, and I said, oh, man, what uh, did I do? And she said it, I'm like, oh, I know I didn't do that, but I'm like, oh, well, I, I apologize, you know, I, did, I didn't mean that, and and um, I, I'm like, were you able to sit under my worship leading? She goes, no. No, I wasn't. I lead every week. What are you doing? No, I just, you know, I'm just waiting for the message. Zach never offends anyone. So I'm like, well, that's sad. That's sad. And then I said, I, I had no idea that there was, because I talked to this person all the time. And they said, yeah, and that's what made it worse. You acted like nothing was between us. There, and I'm, because there wasn't. So I didn't know that. But once I, when I found that out, I guess what I did? I repented. This is one of my leadership tools for you, okay? I live by this. Choose relationship over being right. I mean, there are some I mean, there's a time when you have to stand for righteousness and you say no and we are having to. But most of the time I found out it's a no big deal that somebody's harboring. So I just come under. Hey, no big deal. I apologize. I want this relationship is more than anything else about this thing. And I don't need to be right. And I choose relationship. And I think this is the Jesus thing to do. There are, there are times in life you have to separate from people, though. Look at Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas, they had to separate on the road because they had a disagreement. The Bible says they had a big enough disagreement that they split up. And, we, and what's sad is there's no more mention of them together. But you know that there wasn't, if there was a fence in their heart, it didn't last long because we know what Paul went on to do amazing things. Huh? Oh, is he? Thank you, teacher. <laughs> so, there's a difference between offense and annoyance. You can be annoyed at things. You can have righteous anger against things. But you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. You know offense in your heart. Here's how you can know if you're offended at somebody. Every time their name comes up or their picture comes across Facebook, you cringe. That means you're offended. When you can look at that person and just see them through the eyes of Christ, regardless of what they did to you in the past or what they're doing to you now, and there's no cringe factor, you know you have given them over completely. Another thing that offense does, offense actually, if you are offended at someone, it gives, in your life, it gives them the power. And so, like, it affects your day. It affects your emotions. Why would you do that? And offense is the number one, is the key to stopping a move of God in your life because true offense, deep offense, leads to unbelief and then you don't even believe God is who he says he is and he can do nothing on your behalf and he desperately wants to. Come on, stand up if you would please. Lee, come on up. You know, this also, 
points to the fact that God's will is not always done because he wanted to do miracles but couldn't. His will is not always done. and We pray, God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want God's will to be done in every area of my life. And so right now I'm going to ask you to close your eyes, and if there's any offense you have toward anybody, let me tell you, he'll do it because he did it for me. He's gonna, there's going to be a snapshot of a person right now. Ask God if there's any offense you have. Come on. You might be offended at God because you're not being healed. You haven't been healed yet. You might be offended at the Holy Spirit. So it'd be his face might pop into your head, but whatever it is, I want you to allow God to show you, and then I want you to repent. And I want you to let it go. Now, if you know that somebody has an ought against you, do what the Bible says. Go to that person before you come and give an offering to the Lord and, and reconcile with that person. And choose relationship over being right. And if they refuse reconciliation, put them out. And say, God, I'm yours. I'm not worrying about that person. They've chosen to walk and wallow in their, un, uh, in their offense toward me. There's nothing I can do. And then watch God do the miraculous in your life. Come on. It's what he wants to do. It's what he wants to do in Jesus' name. So, Father, we thank you for this word. I ask that you would seal it. God, if there's any offense we have towards you, we have released it. If there's any offense we have towards somebody else, we release it. Just release it. Don't even go to that person unless you really have to. It's better just to let it go. Just put it on the feet of God. He, guess what? I found out God can handle it a lot better than we can anyway. Just say, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Because you are in bondage if you are offended. You're in chains. It's hard to walk in chains. So we release that in Jesus' name. We bless you, Father. Amen.